Combine 2024, we lead things off with the GOAT, one of our good friends, the voice of the Houston Texans. Seems like we were here just yesterday talking about Week 18. Mark yes. Vandermeer is our guest here on Radio Row here at the Combine. Mark, always a pleasure, man. How are I you? I love talking to you guys. I love coming to Indianapolis. I really do. You know, I know this has been a house of horrors for the Texans for a long time, but maybe not lately, right? But uh, I always love coming to Indy. It's a great city. I always tell people the people who designed for lack of a better word, this city knew exactly what they were doing. Let's make it an event town. Yep. We had the 500. Let's build the RCA Dome or the Hoosier <laughs> Dome. Let's build events around that. Let's bring everything in. And they did a heck of a job. They still do. And it, and it seems like like we talked about just yesterday, that Week 18 game. I don't know about you, and, and certainly you know on, on the losing end of things, mm-hmm. not you know, missing the playoffs, mm-hmm. uh, that, was, that was a really fun atmosphere. In terms of Colts, Texans, I don't think I get any better than that and the good news is from a parody standpoint you're going to have that matchup now for the next hopefully eight nine years yeah and we saw what anthony richardson did in the opener between these two teams in the right. opening game of the series i mean he went nuts early and then he leaves the game and we thought oh gardner minch is in this could be handleable <laughs> no as he played really well and the colts won that game and we saw what happened in the finale but you know we've talked about this matt that uh, throughout the years the colts are just the texans nemesis but for some reason in indy the texans are now five and four in their last nine right. and i know one of those is the weird davis mills comeback game where you don't want to win that do you well right. it turns out you do because <laughs> look what happened in the draft and right. you know history changed and here we are absolutely so what was was the most enjoyable part of this season you know off air we were talking about you know the the Sean Watson stuff and how kind of uh, you know in a, in a valley you were the mm-hmm. Texans were and then just that the peaks and light at the end of the tunnel now with CJ Stroud you've been doing this since 2002 voice of the Texans where does this past year rank in terms of just most enjoyable season I think it's the most enjoyable season I've ever had and I've done all of them uh it Look, 2011 was great because we made the playoffs for the first time, and that was really special. It's hard to outdo the first of anything, right? And it took a long time. That was the 10th season in Texans history. And you know how this goes. I love the NFL because you could have a sub-500 season, but week five you might have had this tremendous win that you could talk about for a long time. We've had a lot of sweet wins, and right now we're celebrating Andre Johnson getting into the Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. And that brings that whole era back for me where they didn't win as much as they wanted, but they had some really great games along the way, and it's great to relive those. But this season, to me, was the best because D'Amico comes back to coach the team. You get C.J. Stroud, and it turns out he's this marvelous quarterback. You have all these down-to-the-wire victories. He proves that he's a clutch player, and the other young players play so well. Offensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year, and Andre getting into the Hall of Fame at NFL Honors. I mean, that was another great night to to be a bookend to the draft night uh, euphoria, mm-hmm. really, when they moved up to take Will Anderson. You know, it's funny you mentioned that first matchup in week two, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. And I remember coming out of that game and I said, okay, you see where the Texans are. Mm-hmm. You can see the growth. Because that was, that was kind of the game where CJ, I think he threw for over 350. Yep. And you were like, okay, he can put the ball wherever yeah. he wants. So you know at some point that's going to click. Right. And then you flash forward to what we saw in week 18. And you know, one of the things that I always go back to is where we were a year from right now. Mm-hmm. We're talking about week 18, which you talked yeah. about Davis Mills. Yeah. I mean, you talk about parity in the NFL. That just sums it up right there. Yeah, it does. Uh, that 
what an experience that was. And I love any kind of win, but it felt odd that night. Did you really want the second pick? Wouldn't you rather control the draft? Right. But I never fault the team for trying to win a game. Right, exactly. And everybody got on Lovey. They're NFL players. Everybody got on Lovey Smith for going for two in that one. And I said, <laughs> no, 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 no. He he did not go for two because we're going to stick it to the Texans. I know I'm fired or whatever. You know, the narrative was. That's not it. He went for two because he said, we're going to end the game right here, win or right. lose. Win or right? lose, right. 50-50 shot, whatever the percentages are. Because uh, my my rebuttal to those who think he was it's a conspiracy, he was trying to win to screw the Texans out of a draft choice, I say, look, if he kicks it, it's tied. You're going to overtime. You right. have just as much a chance to win that. All right? They just converted fourth and 20 or whatever right. it was yeah. So yeah. And with a touchdown of 30-plus yards. Yeah. So anyway, it took you to the draft. It took you to C.J. Stroud. Honestly, and you know how these things are, and people ask us all the time, like, who's your team going to draft? We don't really know, right? And that night, we did not know. I figured they were going to take Will Anderson Jr. at number two okay. and deal with the quarterback position later, maybe move up, try to get, you know, hand in hooker or somebody like that. I didn't know what they were going to do. But when they took Stroud, okay, here we go. We got the quarterback. And then they move up yeah. to take Will Anderson Jr. It was... Why do you think it was going to be flip-flopped? I I just didn't think they were going to take Stroud. And I don't know. I was buying into all the outside noise, maybe. And inside, they have Ziploc mouths on this stuff. They don't want people to know. They don't want people in the building to know. I think people in football ops, a lot of people don't really know what they're actually thinking because they don't want it to get out. And that's the right thing to do. Don't let it get out. Don't let your plans get out, especially if you're trying to make that deal. You think you're going to make that deal to move up to number three and get Will Anderson Jr. Now, here we are preparing for 24 and the Texans completely different spot from where we were a year yeah. ago. You got a late first round pick, but you got your two key pieces in place with the quarterback, head coach, clearly one of the best edge rushers up and coming with Will Anderson being named defensive rookie of the year. You got a lot of money to spend. Mm-hmm. Where Where is the ceiling on what this offseason means? Because clearly right now it is win now mode for sure from where you were a year ago. It is. I think to field a team as good as the one you had last year, you have a lot of work to do. You have over 30 free agents on this team. Right. And you do have some all right, so you don't have these marquee like first day, oh my gosh, they're going to make a, a you know King's Ransom contract type of free agents. But you have Dalton Schultz. He played a yeah. big part on this Bernard. team. Devin Singletary yeah. who was the leading rusher. Had his best year ever. Right. Better yeah. than any year he had with the Bills. You have Jonathan Grenard. Great ed ru- edge rusher. 12 and a half sacks. What's he going to get? You know, you have all these things to think about and uh, and, and numerous others. All right, Sheldon Rankins, Hassan Ridgeway. You know, you have to fortify that defensive front uh, if those guys aren't coming back. So, a lot of questions. Steven Nelson, one of your starting corners. So, you do have a ton of work to do, but they have the cap space to deal with it. Right. And, and there are many different directions you could go with all this. Uh, so it's exciting for us, and as, as it is for the Colts fans, to see how they're going to put together the 2024 Colts, how the 2024 Texans are going to be constructed. Because you guys know, all right, so you went to the divisional round. Great. To get back there is excruciatingly oh, difficult, yeah. No yeah. right? No doubt. I mean, you might make the playoffs and lose the first game. You might not make the playoffs. You might go 9-8, and eight, which would still be a winning season, but you know how how this league is. You know, the Texans got there fast in the D'Amico Ryans era, and now the expectation is, oh yeah, we're going to the Super Bowl next year, right? <laughs> right. Well, it's not that easy, as we all know. <laughs> well, not only do you have cap space, but some of your key players that you have in to play premium positions, you have those positions solidified, but they're also on rookie contracts. Yeah, C.J. Stroud, big. Tank Dell, uh, Derek Stingley, 
Stingley, how does that mm-hmm. factor in the aggressiveness and the urgency that the Texans yeah. have either in the draft or in free agents? That's a great point. And, you know, when you bring in free agents, high-priced free agents, it always works, right? You know, we've seen it not work more often. More often it doesn't work than it works because you have to sort of put together the culture very quickly. Now, last year they had a lot of free agents, the guys I mentioned, Schultz, Singletary, Rankins. These were all on one-year deals, right? Jimmy Ward's still with the team. He's on a two-year deal. That's good. But so you're thinking, I got to put together a culture. They did last year. It worked. They have to do the same thing this year with whoever they bring in. They all got to fit together. But I think one thing that really makes things fit well, great head coach you know, so far, D'Amico Ryans, and quarterback who's off to a rip-roaring start. And I think a lot of people want to play with this kid because he can really sling it as we saw. Now, I know we don't have the answers to this. If mm-hmm. we did, you know, we'd probably go out and put money on whatever it was because you would have the answers. But you go from where you were heading into 23, now going into 24, you got a big target on your back. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah. you're the team to beat now especially in the Mark. division. Well, especially yeah. especially me. Yeah. We're hates, the Jags. We're the Jags. <laughs> right, yeah. exactly. The Jags are the darlings of 2023. <laughs> they, got, first. They, they got off to that great start. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. they're unbe- They beat the Texans at NRG, and I thought, well, there goes the division. <laughs> Bye-bye. And then look what happens. Yeah. So, to your w- point. With that, I mean, mm-hmm. you, you've been in the locker room. You've been with these guys. Yeah. How do you anticipate them, you know, re- responding to yeah, now instead question. of, you know, being the underdog, you're the guy everybody's trumping yeah. to get? I mean, the answer is, I don't know. Right. I do think that they have good heads on their shoulders, right? It seems like they know what's important. C.J. Stroud says the right things. Seems like he lives his life the way you want to see a quarterback live his life. Now, you know, he's done a lot of socializing and yeah. the all-star tour, the fun, the postseason <laughs> right. fun tour. He was at honors, of course, had to be. But he did this uh, Travis Scott softball charity game in Houston. He was here, he was here for the all-star he game. He was here yep. for the all-star game. Uh, uh, you know, there people are are commenting on his social life. I think that he's going to live his life the right way, the way you want to see a professional athlete live his life and be all about the game, but also the fun. You know, and I think he'll keep it all in perspective. He's 22 years old. You know, right. so here he is. You're right. He's the hunted now. Everybody's coming after him. We'll see how they respond. The O line's got to play better. They got to get a running game now. Singletary had his best year, but overall. The rushing attack was not what they wanted it to be, so they got to work on that. I think that's going to help CJ an awful lot. As you said, D'Amico Ryan's, I mean, the dividends are great. Three years, or I should say three coaches in three years. What's the culture like now compared to, let's say, 2021? It's amazing. And look, we had Gary Kubiak there. He was great with the culture. Uh, but there's just something different about this. There's something different about a coach that, and Kubiak played in the league, and I, I don't think it's crucial that you play in the league. Clearly, the evidence is there that you don't have to play in the league to right. be a great head coach. But there's just something about him, you know, just unto himself and itself, the culture with the Houston Texans. D'Amico walks the halls, and you just feel this comfort yet intensity, mm-hmm. focus, joy. Joy is in the air. He wants people to really enjoy playing football, playing professional football. He wants them to have fun doing it, yet play with that intensity that everybody's seeking. And, you know, so far it's working out really well. I, it's going to be really interesting to see who's back and who's not because mm-hmm. he'll, he does not want what he calls, you know, what the energy vampires, guys who suck the life out of the drainers. building. Drainers. We call yeah. those drainers. You know, you, you, it's, it's, like any, it's like any business, right? Yeah. You don't want people to walk in the room and they bring the dark 
clouds with them. Leave the dark clouds outside the door. Bring the heat. Bring the energy in so we can all get something done productively. Now, now one of the big topics we've been talking about over the last handful of years, the culture dealing with this year with Michael Pittman Jr. becoming a free agent and the price tag that receivers are going to get paid. One of the guys we know that will be back in a Texans uniform next year, Nico Collins, but is kind of looking at that free agency window coming up. Yeah. He showed out really big last year. Is this something that you saw coming and clearly getting a weapon in there can show what his strength is? And then is he a guy that in the next couple years is going to be viewed as a top-tier receiver? If you told me nearly 1,300 yards, I'd say, whoa. I would say, well, he stayed healthy, okay? Uh And he he was banged up a little bit, but not much. Uh, He definitely showed signs of this. But to match him up with C.J. Stroud just took it to another level, right? Uh, You could see signs of it along the way. But, look, in 2023, he performs like a number one receiver. You know, like one of the better guys in the league. You know, yards per catch were outstanding throughout the entire campaign. And when he and Dell are the line. We're aware. (laughs) Yeah, we got it. Yeah, I know. We got it. First play of the game. But (laughs) when he and Dell, and they didn't have Dell in that game, when he and Dell are in the game together, Dell drives Secondary is crazy. You know, sure. they're like, they're, their heads are spinning. You know, Dell's running around. He runs routes great. Uh, and then Nico's able to run basically any kind of route you need him to run. So everyone's saying in Houston, not everyone, but a lot of the fans and media are like, Mike Evans, we got to get Mike Evans, got to get Michael Pittman. You know, maybe you do, but maybe you don't. I mean, you already have two really good guys. Exactly, yeah. uh, Robert Woods is still under contract, so we'll see how they handle that. And, you know, they have to add, but you know, Noah Brown's a free agent. They have to add, but do you have to add a top-flight guy knowing that, you know, eventually Nico needs his money, whether it's this year right, or next year. Right. And the draft's just loaded every year at wide receiver. You can get a lot of bang for your buck, a lot of draft value there. Speaking of that, final thing before we let you go, how would you rank the the draft needs or the priorities for the Texans going into April? I think a lot of it, as far as need goes, to me, and the GMs will say, it's not about need, but I got to see what happens in free agency, right? Because if they address certain things, then, you know, obviously your first round pick leans in a certain direction but i would i would probably take receiver off the table you know and i'd take certain things off the table i'm looking at d-line whether it's end or interior because Derek barnett played pretty well for them as an in-season pickup played really well down the stretch i mean they needed him mm-hmm. because will anderson was banged up yeah. grenard was banged up yeah you know, the the thing about going into the colts game i was thinking the texans might be out of gas going into yeah, that no grenard but yeah, yeah. anderson was hurt Do limited they have snaps? Right. to deal with the Colts on that night in that building with those stakes, and obviously they did, but uh, I thought in many ways they were just you know limping in to the finish here, and then they blasted Cleveland. Obviously, yeah. you saw what happened against Baltimore, but uh, get everybody healthy. you know. So Barnett was important. So uh, to answer your question, I think DN, D-tackle would be somewhere to look, in my opinion, but that's based on taking care of certain other things in free agency, like corner. You, know, you don't have Steven Nelson's side, so what are you going to do at corner yeah. opposite Derek Stanley yeah. Jr.? I texted you um, that that Cleveland game. I listened to the game, the the playoff game, and yeah. you were on fire, man. Oh, yeah, thanks. you were I on mean, fire. That well, was you know a, how it a is. Great broadcast. You got a great game going on in front of you. That was a lot of people in the building said that was the best Texans game they've ever been to. Period. That includes opening night win against the Cowboys, which in Texans history oh, yeah. is always regarded. <laughs> For you sure. know, you start the franchise off beating the Cowboys <laughs> in prime time. It was un- it was unthinkable. Sure. So you know, thanks a lot. No, yeah, I always appreciate it. I would uh, offer you some 
some suggestions on where to go and where to eat, where to stay. And, <laughs> but you know, we know. But, but you know. But you guys have homemade cookies here. We do. And that <laughs> is better than a Thanks lot of things. Thanks to the gourmet. Okay? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he comes bearing gifts. They're That's probably going to be gone shortly. No We're, doubt about Every it. guest is going to grab one. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, love you, man. Always appreciate your love time. Love you guys. Yep. Thanks a lot, man. Enjoy the rest of your stay. appreciate it. A lot of familiar faces here at the NFL Combine. We say hello again to Frank Frangie, our uh, friendly foe, our friendly neighbor, I like to call Frank Frangie as voice of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Thanks for being here, and I appreciate the time. i got to start right out looking at the, at the roster, looking at the offseason yeah. things that are going on in Jacksonville. A lot of unrestricted free agents. What are some of the prime things that need to be taken care of this offseason with the in-house players? Yeah, and I think that's the big question is what are the, what are they going to do with the in-house guys? Uh, number one, the two free agents, uh, Josh Allen and Calvin Ridley. They can't let Josh Allen get away. Mm-hmm. Josh Allen had 17 and a half sacks, maybe the best pass rusher they've ever had. I, I don't think he's going anywhere. The key is if you can sign him to an extension, we've got about a week left. Mm-hmm. If you can sign him to an extension before uh, you have to tag him, then you probably tag Ridley and have they both come back. The goal is for those guys both to come back. So that, that's answer number one. I think somehow, some way, they'll both be back, but mm-hmm. we'll see. Uh, the other thing is a lot of guys that are under contract that you have to decide are they worth the cap hit. Cam Robinson's a good left tackle, but you also could save $16 million if you moved Anton Harrison over there and played Walker Little. So they've got to decide on that. Uh, Rayshon Jenkins, a safety, probably saves you about 7 or $8 million. Zay Jones saves you about $5 million, who's a receiver. So there's a lot of guys under contract that they've got to decide about. Mm-hmm. And there's also, obviously, the free agents. But Josh Allen's going to be on the team. That'll tell you. The rest of it's all up for grabs. Uh, hopefully uh, all those guys I mentioned are still on the football team. They believe they're in their window now, so yeah, we'll see. No doubt about that. Frank, I know you're tired of talking about this, but losing five of the yeah. last six, starting the season eight and three, any common denominators that you saw on yeah. a week-to-week basis as to why things went the way they did? You know, Matt, I, I think I don't want to make excuses for them because everybody gets hurt. They were eight and three. They were playing really well, had won, had won six out of seven games. Uh, they were on their way to a first possession score against Cincinnati, and Christian Kirk went down. He is such an important part of their team, such an important. So he goes down on the heels of Zay Jones being hurt. Cam Robinson played half the games. They had a lot of – Trevor had the ankle, the knee, the shoulder, and the concussion. I just think they got beat up so much that they lost a game or two. Then it's a young team that I think lost its confidence. Mm-hmm. I think you could just feel it. You could feel it turning a little bit. And you know how it is. If, if you're a golfer and you've missed three, four footers in a row, I know you, you know the next <laughs> yeah. four footer, you're nervous. You're yeah. gripping the club. And I think they did. I think they gripped the club really tight. And I think all of it kind of snowballed. And that's why I don't think there's one thing. I think it was an 8-3 and three team that started to lose a little bit. And then, and, and then, Matt, what happens then is you never, you never can get your footing again. Yeah. And I think that's what happened. I really do. Speaking of that, you mentioned Trevor Lawrence. He was banged up. There's no doubt about it, fighting through all those injuries. But 21 turnovers. The yeah. 21 turnovers led the NFL. Any issue there, or is that just all injury correlated? No, I think he's got to get better at that. I mean, I, I think the injuries affected him a little bit. I think you try and, you, you try and make throws at that big arm as you've always been able to make, and now if your shoulder's sore and, and you can't step into it because you've got a knee thing, the ball that all of a sudden, the NFL is a fine line, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, t- a tight window can be a great thrower, can be a pick. That was part of it, but that's not the main thing. Trevor's got to turn the ball over less. He, he knows that. He, you you got to take better care of the ball. If you have that many turnovers, it's not just because you were hurt. He's got to, I, my, my read on Trevor in the turnovers is he's been so great for so long, 
He's been he, – he's had a better arm than anybody he's ever played against. He was a first overall pick. He, he could get throws in again at Clemson because that Wake Forest cornerback wasn't fast enough. Mm-hmm. And at Cartersville High because that, because that <laughs> Atlanta high cornerback wasn't fast enough, right? Well, they're fast up here. And I, and I think sometimes you take chances that you've always gotten away with, and he'll tell you that. He's got to secure the ball better. He fumbled too much. You've got to put the ball away. The offensive line wasn't good, so you hold, in the, you hold on the ball a little bit longer. But, no, that, that, it's fair to say that's an issue. I think Trevor would tell you that's an issue. I think Doug would tell you that's an issue. In this league, you've got to take better care of the ball. Way too many turnovers. Yeah. That's Frank Frangie, host of the Frangie Show on 1010XL in Jacksonville. That is daily, and he's also obviously voice of the Jaguars. I'm sorry. I've got to stick with Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Two years ago, I said this an MVP, uh, a future MVP uh, winner in this league. And then we saw what you talked about. I think everybody got puckered after 8-3 and three and started going downhill. What's the outlook for Lawrence in Jacksonville as far as the command of the room when he's in there yeah. in, in the offseason, the command of the quarterback room, and that offense? Yeah, I'll preface it with I'm very biased. Mm-hmm. Uh I think he's one of the best people I've been around in the league, not just best players. He is unassuming. He is selfless. He is a great teammate. I saw something when he was, when he was leaving Clemson. They did this, this feature of the Trevor Lawrence career, and, blah, and they you know, put it on video because all the departments put everything on video now. And they said, what do you want to be remembered for? And, and I, was it, was it going to be the national championship? Was it the long run against Ohio State? Was it the big throw at the end? He said, I hope the first thing is how I treated people. That, 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 that was his answer. His go. answer was, I hope the first thing is how I treated people. And does, does he stand yeah, up to that? He really does. Really? He, he is his regular. Let me tell you a story. So we are in London two years ago. And, and we're, in this, we're staying at this posh resort in London because Shad's going to put you at a posh resort because he's shot. Of course it's a posh resort. <laughs> so we're at this posh resort in London. And, and the country club like setting is for lunch, right? So you go to this setting for lunch. And, and, well, I got in there late because it was late. It was jet lag. Well, Trevor was in there. He's only, he got in there late. So nobody, all the team is gone. So there's a, you, it's a serve-yourself buffet, but there's five or six workers behind the buffet line. And then there's this big buffet, and then there's the, the dining room where you sit. So Trevor was getting up when I was coming in. So we talked for about five minutes or so. Then I, then I left to the other side of the corridors. He couldn't see me. So he's literally the only guy left in the, in the lunchroom. Instead of walking out or before he walked out, he went to every one of those servers and said, hey, thank you, man. You guys have made this lunch great for us. We, we were all talking about how good it is. We don't take it for granted. We know it's hard work. Leader. He, say, he really is. And I, and I watched it. Now, he wasn't grandstanding because there's nobody in there. Right. He wasn't yeah. trying to show off. He couldn't see me. I was around the corner. Mm-hmm. And so there was, there was nobody to grandstand for. Mm-hmm. That's just how he handles himself. So he's a great – and I think he's a good player. He's, a, he, he's got all the – you know the hardware. He's 6'6 yeah. with a big arm and real athletic. Uh, he's he's got to learn. He's got to learn. He, take, he can't take some chances. And I think that's the big thing with him is, is sometimes it's better to throw it in the stands and play another down rather than try and stick it in there and the safety picks it off. I think right. that's the biggest thing. But I think he's going to be have a big career. I think he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league for a long time. I haven't lost one ounce of confidence in Trevor Lawrence. A- any talks of a franchise or I should say a, a contract extension with him? Uh, we'll see. We'll see. There, there, there's always talk in the, in, the, sure. in the atmosphere about it. I wouldn't be surprised if it's not this year. It could be this year. I don't anticipate with everything else they're trying to get done. I don't think it's going to be this year. I think this, he's going to be a Jaguar for 
the next 10 years, right? regardless right. of whether they do it next year or whenever. Right, right. But I haven't heard a lot of talk about it yet. Frank Frangie right there. And I tell you what, tanned, handsome, the most tanned man here you at the You should see combine. this guy's backyard. I mean, I mean it's like Disney World, man. <laughs> I can only imagine. Can we Twitter's visit? everything. We he's show in, it off all of it. Everything's the, on X. Yeah, he's got the pool. <laughs> can we visit? Pool. That's yeah. what I'm asking. You're always welcome. <laughs> all right, go ahead. Put. The, I love doing this, too, especially voices. Matt Taylor and I, over many a lunch, put your GM hat on, you, yeah. you know, and What's, uh, what's your vision for this team with this upcoming draft and filling holes that they need? I know a lot goes into that, yeah. who's signed, who's not re-signed, but what do you like to see? Yeah, in player procurement, uh, I think they've got to get more physical. Mm-hmm. They got pushed around at the line of scrimmage too many times, and I, and I think that more than anything else, uh, that last game was really kind of a microcosm of the last quarter of the season for them when Derrick Henry was having gigantic holes to run through. So I think they've got to improve their offensive front and really the interior of the offensive front. I think the second thing is the interior of the defensive front. Mm-hmm. That's what I think of the two big areas. Now, look, you're going you're gonna, to – if I could do a blueprint, if I could map out the blueprint, I'd say get your big people in free agency and draft some speed, which means you draft corners and wide receivers. So I think corners and wide receivers are the second part, but I think big people, they've got to get more physical. They were not a very physical football team. Uh, in, in my opinion, they were not a very physical football team. And, and I, listen, when, when – when Ryan Kelly and Quentin Nelson were at their best, man, you guys were physical. You know, you didn't want you 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 didn't want to see Jonathan Taylor coming at you because he was running through a gaping hole that that big. But then when your line tailed off, you weren't the same team. Right. And nobody nobody knows that better than the Colts know it. Well, I saw the same thing happen. All of a sudden, the line wasn't very good. And Travis Etienne, who I think is a really good running back, he may not be Jonathan Taylor. He's a good back. Mm-hmm. He became ordinary. Because the holes weren't there. they got to get more physical. Speaking of that offensive line, I know they were banged up last year. Sounds like from Trent Baalke the other day, majority of that offensive line is going to come back. What's the, what's the ceiling of that offensive line if it's intact and, and fully healthy? You know, they believe if they have a healthy line, it's a pretty good line. Matt, I want to see that. I, 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 if you ask me to, to, to measure, if I did a power poll of position groups, uh, it probably wouldn't be in my top three or four for the Jaguars. I, I would say their their running back room is really good. I love Trevor. I like the receivers. I like the back end. I would say the so I think he can be a good line until there's more people. Anton Harrison, the the, the rookie tackle is going to be really good. Uh, Ezra Cleveland, if they can re-sign him, the free agent le- or the, the traded left guard could be really good. I want to see the other guys. I, I so I, I would say. I would say that's not going to – I'd be surprised if we're talking this time next year mm-hmm. and I'll look back and say that was one of the strengths of the team. It's got to get better, and I, and I don't think it's an overnight an overnight mm-hmm. thing at all. Yeah. Frank Frangie right there, voice of the Jaguars. What do you think? Mr. Much respect to Mr. Conchad, Con and family and everything. A lot of London, a lot yeah. of games over there. Is this a franchise – if they do do something like this, I'm talking about in the next decade, that yeah. Jacksonville would be one of the first to pick up and go somewhere that's possibly overseas. I know that's a loaded question, but yeah. the NFL wants to expand so much, and that connection Shot has with London. Yeah, I don't think you can ever have a team over there, no. No, whether it's Jacksonville or anybody else. I mean, how many guys you try out during the season? 50, 60 guys sure, coming for sure, trials? Sure. You can't, they don't have passports. It's hard to get over there. It's an eight-hour flight. I, I think running the operations of a team, someone said, well, maybe you can have a home base here. and, and then, I don't think so. I, I Two bye weeks yeah, or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, I, I don't think know. it could ever work. What I do think will happen is an expansion of, of uh, international games. We're already seeing it. We're playing in Germany now. We're going to be playing in Mexico now. Yeah. Brazil's on the table. So I think you're going to see an expansion of international teams. I don't think you'll ever see. I don't think you'll ever see a team in London. And to that end, I'll, I'll, an addendum to that. Mm-hmm. Shad loves Florida. He he's got a home in Naples. Uh, 
where, where we live. Now, look, I'm biased. I'm from there. So it's a, so it's a loaded <laughs> answer, too. But Shad wants to develop real estate. Shad wants to develop business. We're in Florida. We have a gorgeous beach. We have a gorgeous river. We have gorgeous golf. We have beautiful weather. Fishing, and a half fishing's not bad. Fishing's good. <laughs> if you why and this is no knock on other parts of the country, but why would Shad take a team to right. St. Louis or good Portland point, yeah. when you've got Florida? When you've got this this weather? If you're trying to develop business, right? You're trying to develop your business interests. Jags aren't going anywhere. Going along with that, the stadium. What, what's the latest with? Not to get all yeah, too political, yeah. but what what what's the biggest hang-up on renovating Everbank Stadium? It's going to happen, and, and Matt, it'll almost be more, I say renovation, it's technically a renovation, yeah. but it's really going to be a new stadium right. with a few of the walls still there. It's it's not going to be renovated. It's going to be new. It's going to be some, something like what Hard Rock did in Miami. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll get the deal done this year. I, I think uh, they've gone back, and there's a new mayor, and she's been very progressive and very helpful. Uh, they'll get the deal done. They're back and forth. Shot originally wanted to, to wrap it into a, a redevelopment of that area and wanted the city and the team to get together on that. I'm not sure that's going to happen now. It may be Shot developing that area himself and the city just participating in the stadium. But it's going to be a $1.5 billion stadium. Uh, though the, I think you'll see an announcement, my guess is, uh, spring, that they've agreed to something. I think uh, they'll, they're, they're, it won't begin until after 25 because the Florida-Georgia game is there every year, mm-hmm. and that contract is through 25. Wow. I think in 26 and 27, the renovation will take place. I think the new stadium will launch in 28. I think we all have a pretty good idea that's what they're going to do. They've got to decide, do they go play in Gainesville for two years? That's what I'm going to ask you. The yeah. Now what? Or then what? The, there's the possibility of Gainesville or Orlando, probably mm-hmm. Gainesville, for two years. I mean, I, you go to Florida because they know how to do it. It's a college. They're already putting on seven home games a year. Right. They seat $90,000. They've got the security and the concessions and, and the operational people. Mm-hmm. So my guess is there, there is some talk that one year they'll, they play in Jacksonville while it's being renovated. 40,000 capacity. Wow. And the other year they'd go to Gainesville because there's been some pushback in the populace about do I really want my team gone for two years? So right. so they're trying to figure that part out. My opinion, I'd go to Gainesville for two years. Do you have to load up and pick pack everything to Gainesville? Like operations, daily operations is now in no, Gainesville no, for the a team season? No, no. The team would practice there. Okay. They would drive to Gainesville for the game. Gotcha. They gotcha. would drive to Gainesville okay. for but I, but I listen, it's an hour, maybe an hour and ten minutes. Mm. It's a 90,000 seat stadium. They know what they're doing. It's a beautiful grass field. I know the fans don't want the team to be gone for two years, and I get that. They're the, I'm not buying the season tickets; they are, and yeah, I understand yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But, but I would do. I would blow it up, and, and in two years, you got this beautiful new stadium uh, for the long haul. Awesome. So that's how I would do it. All right. Well, uh, let's uh, after this interview set up some off-season plans. <laughs> We'd love to have you. <laughs> go visit Frank Francis. You should have seen. You should have seen Frank this morning. I love you, Frank, but he looked cold. Uh, oh, he looked I'm still cold. cold. I, know, I, I am the biggest cold weather wimp you've ever met. Whoever you know that gets cold, I get colder. I'm that guy, so I love it. Uh, well, you're in the wrong place for the next couple that's of days, right, but right. hey, Jacksonville we right love around you, the though. corner. Excellent job. You're one Thanks, of the fellas. best in the business. Appreciate the Very time. Kind. Don't Thank forget you. one more time. Fans, follow this man. Give me give me some information on how we can get an Instagram story from you, Frank. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's what we want. Here's yeah. what I am on, on X or whatever. I'm not even on Instagram. I wouldn't know how to do it. But on X, I'm at Frank underscore Frangie. How about that? There's a starting point. And don't forget daily. And I'm taking talking daily here, host of the Frangie Show on 1010XL in Jacksonville. That podcast up daily. Appreciate the time, everything. Best of luck, except for two games next I year. Best it. of luck. Thanks, Ellis. All right. It. See you later.
All right, I am sitting right next to, I mean, one and two in the business, I like to call him. Voice, <laughs> voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. Voice of the Titans, Mike Keith is here. You guys rank one and two in my book. I won't tell you who ranks where, but I'm just <laughs> I was going to say, who's one say. and who's two? I don't two. think it's hard to figure out. You rank one and two in my play-by-play analyst uh, rankings. Mike Keith, and by the way. I bow down, by the way. No, you don't. An interesting tidbit before we get into football. A dear friend of Kenny Chesney, I remember Mike Keith right here. It's dear friend. A dear friend, right? Really? Could we call him that? <laughs> he, you he, broke his career, let's be honest. No, that's, well, that's you, 100% not true. Didn't you play true. his records, Mike? There's no, something I didn't along play his records. Lines. I talked to him while he was trying to get his records. But he does know my name. Yeah, okay. Which is kind of okay. It's cool. You know, it's all right. But no, I, would, I did not break his career. I was there when his career broke. I worked at WIVK in Knoxville. Nice. He is from the Knoxville area. He's actually from Coryton. And um, would see him around the station when he was just an up-and-comer. So uh, You told us that story a couple of years ago, and I yeah. always remember that about it. So I, I just make you the star maker. Apparently, I, I tell that story a lot now. I'm, now I've gotten to the age I'm repeating myself all the time. That's great. I'm like my dad. That's so. Oh, that's great. Uh, one of the best in the business, play-by-play man for the Titans, Mike Keith is here. I want to go back, and then I want to go forward a little bit. I've, been, okay. I've always been a Mike Vrabel fan. Something about him, the way he played the game when he played here, yep. the way he coached, and you hated him. I'm because, hooked. Hang on. Sorry yeah. about that, Mike. Hang on. I'm, I'm, Mike, he got, he got hung up here. I'm hung up. Sorry about that. <laughs> Sorry about that, Mike. He, ra- he, wraps his, he wraps his leash around my legs and takes me down the hill. I mean, what's going on with you people? I know. I'll tell you what. We may have done that on you purpose. You did this on purpose. I mean, you beat us twice this year. Can you not just let this it is, go? Oh, yeah. man. This is why we struggle in the AFC no, South. Kidding. Did Earsay have you do that to me? I mean, just because he was so bitter? No You kidding. can get over it I now. just want your job, all right? <laughs> trying to trip you up as best I can. You want me to leave. No kid, He loves Nashville. Loves Nashville. All right, Mike Keith's back. I wanted to talk about Mike Vrabel, and I was sure. kind of I was a little shocked at that. I don't know how you were. You we were too. Your hands on the pulse of this franchise and stuff like that, and obviously he's out of out of work this season. I loved Vrabel when he's playing. I loved him when he's coached. The surprise of that, uh, 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 you know, a month or so back when they did make the switch, and, and your initial thoughts of Brian Callahan. Very pleased with Brian Callahan. Uh, very excited about what he is, what he brings, and in particular, the staff. The staff is really something else. And so I think if you were going to make a change, he's so different from Mike Vrabel. And I think anytime you do that, I think doing something totally different is always, on the surface, the right answer. Mm-hmm. Because if you're shaking it up, don't shake it up with the same type of person, the same type of mm-hmm. personality, all of those sorts of things. Brian is is really a good guy, and he is totally ready to be a head coach. I compare it to this. Uh, when I was at the University of Tennessee, Philip Fulmer became the head coach at the end of the 1992 season, and I'd never been around anybody in my life who was more ready to be a head coach. He had done everything. Mm-hmm. The only thing he had not done was be the head coach. And it obviously worked out. I think this is the same sort of thing. This is somebody who grew up with a coach right. in his house, did, went and did his own thing, never worked for his dad, never worked with his dad, and yet has the experience of seeing his dad do this. And he said this to me earlier while we're here in Indianapolis, that he is not as shell-shocked as a lot of first-time head coaches because he's seen stuff. Mm-hmm. Zach Taylor let him see things, uh, gave him that insight, and then obviously through so much with his dad. Uh, the Vrabel thing was a surprise. 
and I think it was a surprise to Titans fans because Vrabel's this guy. I mean, even if he didn't like the play he called or what he did in this situation, he's your head coach. Mm-hmm. He's that strong personality that you're like, that's our guy. Yeah. Maybe kind of like how Chuck Pagano was for people. They just they just like him. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no outcry of people saying, get rid of the coach. But what had happened is the owner, when she let John Robinson go as general manager, she had set in place a very different communication structure that she wanted to see. She wanted the influence of the organization to go beyond just the head coach and the general manager. Mm -hmm. She wanted the analytics people to have a say, the training staff to have a say, all of these things. Probably a lot like what they're doing in baseball now. Mm -hmm. You know, if you look at most of the really good baseball teams, they have a lot of people sort of a board of directors almost. Mm -hmm. Now, the the general manager and the head coach are still (laughs) the biggest part of it. But what she had done with Rand Carthon and what she was looking to do was very different. Mm -hmm. And Vrabel had been doing something different for five years. It was more traditional. And, And I think in the end, in her mind, it just didn't all fit together the way she wanted to see it go. And that's why she made the change. Yeah, you're, talk, you're talking about Brian Callahan, and I know that the Titans obviously haven't played a game yet, but culturally, dynamic-wise, what's the biggest difference between Mike Vrabel and Brian Callahan? I know the culture wasn't bad no. under Mike Vrabel. Gosh, just, no. you know, bottom line is you got, you got to win games. But can you, can you sense a, a difference you know, in, in terms of subtleties between Callahan and Vrabel in terms of how they're operating? Vrabel is literally and figuratively so big, Matt. Mm -hmm. And Mike's personality is so big. There was a Mike Ditka effect with Mike Vrabel. And Dave McGinnis, who's my broadcast partner on Titans Radio, worked for Mike Ditka from 1986 through 1992. And he saw the exact same thing. He said, this guy is the modern-day Ditka. And that sometimes overshadows everybody else and over everything else. Um, this guy's not like that. Brian Callahan is is very measured. You know, he's a dad with an eight-year-old and a six-year-old, and um, he's just a low-key sort of guy. I'm sure he can get angry and can yell when he needs to because he's ball coach, but it's just, it's just different. With Mike Vrabel, everything was always on. I mean, it was always on all the time. And the building reflected that, and it was really – it was a good thing. Yeah. I, I mean, for those who say, well – I mean, the, the report came out, and I'm so glad I get to mention this, <laughs> that teams didn't hire him because he was big and intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. whatever. Yeah. But, but what I will say, he's also very kind and gigantic heart. I don't think Mike Vrabel always wants you to see that. Because that's not convenient. Right, yeah. right. But he's he's a big softy. Um, this guy is just a it, – it's just he's more in the road all the time. And I haven't seen him on the practice field yet. Sure. 
So waiting to see all of that. But, yeah, there's a different feel downstairs. When Vrabel would come barreling down the hall, you knew it. <laughs> you can hear right? him coming. You That's knew right. it. I mean, it's Big a, shadow, right? It's a big shadow. But the, you were going to – I mean, he was going to give you the business about something or <laughs> – I mean, they're just and, – and you see Brian in the hall. He's like, hey, how you doing? I mean, it's just, it's just different in that way. Sure. Not a bad thing necessarily, but just a different thing. Okay, Mike Keith, voice of the Titans right there. Some off-season things. we got to talk about this. Not since Eddie George – is somebody been around to advance the football on the ground like Derrick Henry. Right. And the position that they're facing there. Well, you know, Chris Johnson was pretty good. He was pretty good, too. Yeah, I will say that. So CJ2KI, I apologize. Oh, see, if CJ heard this and I didn't correct you, <laughs> yeah. CJ would fly to my house. Yeah, right. Well, I apologize That's on behalf okay. of uh, you and <laughs> the my American family. people, yes. <laughs> yeah, Thank yeah. you. But, but, but what's going on with Derrick Henry? And obviously the salary camp gets, you know, gets boosted up by a record margin and stuff like that. To lose somebody that potentially – to lose somebody like that and what he means to that franchise. What does that mean to you? You've seen this kid from day one. Well, he's the face of the franchise, period. And we think he's a pro football Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. If you look at the five years plus, slightly plus, from the early part of December 2018 to the end of the 2023 season, you're talking about a player who had a five-year period probably is not mirrored since Jim Brown. Wow. I mean, it's pretty crazy. Maybe Earl Campbell. but I, and, and that's really what you judge running backs on. You don't say, well, he played 16 years, unless it's Frank Gore. In, in most cases, you look at a window of time. Yeah. And his window of five years is one of the five best in NFL history. That being said, People don't pay running backs anymore. They just don't. I mean, they just, they just as I sit with the Colts. Right, guys, right. Um, <laughs> they don't? They don't. <laughs> For the most part. They don't. They don't pay running backs, and you are making a philosophical decision offensively when you do. So when, when Derek's on the field, Derek's getting the ball. Derek doesn't play third down. Just doesn't. Mm-hmm. He's not a – he doesn't run 10 routes. Yeah. It's not what he does. He's not a pass protector. Not afraid to hit anybody. Right. Certainly a tough guy, but just not what he does. So when you pay him, and, and we went through this when we made the decision to pay him, we had to let Janu Smith, the tight end, walk. Janu was a huge part of yeah. what we the did. The running game, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, the, and the pass game. Sure. And I mean, we pitch it to him. We do all kinds of things with him. Mm-hmm. But you make those decisions – it's philosophical. The game is now in, outside in. It's yeah. receivers and corners and edge rushers and tackles. I mean, that's and the, and the quarterback, obviously. But the game is outside in. And he took over 7% of our salary cap amount last year, which was the highest running back room allocation, not just one player. Of any team in the league, right? So you're you've you've got to make a philosophical decision mm-hmm. at that point, and I think that's where the Titans are right now because they do have the the Titans have a lot of cap room for the first time ever, ever. <laughs> remember when? The, no, no. I mean, I mean, literally because when the salary cap, Matt won't remember this because he's like two, but when the when the salary cap love came, you, Dad <laughs> came into being in 1994. The Houston Oilers were on a run of seven straight playoff appearances. Yeah, yeah. 
they had not prepared for the salary cap. So they had to take the Warren Moon teams apart because, and the salary cap was $35 million. They were not ready for that. So in some ways, we've been behind the eight ball since the salary cap started. Right. We've had years where we had a little bit of room and it was going to kind of work out. But overall, um, we've never been in this position. So what they're doing now is they are resetting the modern-day priorities to take it forward. Yeah. And it took a minute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, you know, with what you just said, the way to describe it, and being hamstrung all the way back to the start of the salary cap and predominantly been behind right. the eight ball, this is a... Uh, this is a moment in time. A nice place well, to be. Well, and you have the new coach... You have the new president of football operations. You have the second-year general manager. And you're saying, okay, how do we do this to set it up to go forward in this way? Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you're, you're making decisions not just about this year. You're making decisions about how it's going to look going forward because – and this is a long answer. I apologize. But this is a – this is a bigger philosophical question than just Derrick Henry. Right, right. And that's the tough part of it because Will Levis, we think Will Levis might be the guy. We really do. Don't know. Had guys after rookie years we thought were the guy, and then it didn't work out. Right. But we think we, there's a real chance. Well, let's say he is. You're not going to have to pay Will Levis for the next two years. Mm-hmm. So you can start to set things. You said, well, let's get an edge rusher and let's go get a free agent wide receiver. The other thing, too, is you can make a trade right now because you have cap room. You can take somebody's cap problem off of their books for them and maybe you give them back less in a draft pick than you would normally have to because you're doing them a favor. I mean, you've got all kinds of options. Well, you're also going to have to be prepared that if Will Levis is the dude, in year four, yeah. you're going to pay him $50 million sure. plus. At least. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. where it's going. Yeah. So then you can set your cap towards the day you have to do that to where you don't have to let 82 guys go in order to make it happen. That's where the Titans are at this moment. And as you watch the Titans in this offseason, that's what you're going to see. That's Mike Keith, the voice of the Tennessee Titans. Speaking of legacies, you talked about Derrick Henry. Will Levis now being passed the torch from Ryan Tannehill, who's a free agent as well. Mm -hmm. How will you remember Ryan Tannehill? The second best quarterback we've ever had behind Steve McNair. Yeah. I mean, for a three-year period, outstanding winning football, made plays with his arm and with his legs, provided stability and leadership, was exactly what we needed as we knocked on the door of a couple of special things. And, you know, that's really what you ask for is you get in those positions and you hope it's your moment. Mm -hmm. And then you're able to kick it in. We went to the AFC Championship game in 19. We're actually ahead of Kansas City in that game. And then Patrick Mahomes did Patrick Mahomes things and we lost. Uh, In 20 win a division in 21, win a division, get home field, and then don't beat Cincinnati. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and and we've – that's three times we've had that happen where we've been in position and didn't take advantage. So that's all you can – that's all you can hope for. Really quality football player. I think he still has ball left in him. Cost 36.6 against the cap this year. Mm -hmm. Um going to be interested to see what his market is and what he wants to do 
because I think he can play in the league into his 40s. I think he could he could do a good job doing that as a backup. Right. I don't know that he wants to do that. Mm-hmm. Kids, family, great home in South Florida. Be interested to see. He'll, he'll be 36 entering this season. So be interesting to see what he wants to do next. But is he a long-term starter for somebody? I'm not that smart. Do I think he's an unbelievable backup potential? Yeah. Oh, yeah. For yeah. sure. I mean, that's what he did the last week of the yeah, season. Right. Stepped in and beat a Jacksonville team. We had no business beating him because he played so well. That's right. Mike Keith right there, the voice of Titans football. We're going to let you go. You haven't seen this for a while, I'm taking. You've been with this franchise a long time. The new GM comes in. The new head coach comes in. There's a there's a stadium being built. There's Super Bowl aspirations for this team for not only hosting but getting to there. Is this different from the last few years It's the for most you? exciting offseason we've ever had. Say no more. And – or I think I've said the most interesting offseason based on never being in this cap situation, based on the decisions we have to make on the Derrick Henrys of the world, the stadium, we're putting shovels in the ground this week. He has to go back and do some shoveling. (laughs) MC some shovelers. Well, you know, it's tough. I'm a a good shoveler. People would tell you that for years. Same here, Keith. I've been been shoveling for the majority of my career. We never stop shoveling. Uh, But, you know, it's – and then the coach thing, which was a surprise, only added to all of this. And, you know, for the first week after – we let Vrabel go. It was pretty tough around our sure, shop. Sure. Uh, fans were like, huh? And then you get to Monday afterwards and like, okay, who's the next coach is going to mm-hmm. be? Who's that going to be? Yeah. And then that process started and everybody got really excited. And so, you know, what he's finding is unlike Cincinnati when he went in with Zach Taylor, they had to take that thing down to the studs. Mm-hmm. Our situation is not like that yeah. because we've got some nice pieces and we have a quarterback. So could we get back and be in the middle of it quickly? Yeah, I think we could. Excellent. Well, you do great work and appreciate also everything too, that you Mike do. Mike Keith is so big time. Sure. They're building the new stadium. They're actually consulting Mike Keith. Now, that's is that on, true? On that's where the radio booth should be. Really? Not well, where this should look wow. like. Well, Advantage point, everything. Well, you know, I, they have the wherewithal to ask a legend on how this well, should be Well, you have out. an Asana in your uh, – Now, see, <laughs> that's, what, that's what happens. <laughs> you take a little part of what's really happened, and, you, and now it's a song. <laughs> what own fridge right yeah, own bathrooms wait stuff okay now, now wait a minute i did ask for the cubbies that you have in the booths at the cu- lucas oil the cubbies are Stadium. nice yeah, it's a great a use lot. of space yep. it's cubbies a big help and i don't fall and bust my tail <laughs> when i try to walk out <laughs> because i step over somebody's bag so that's great um i did ask for a bathroom for every Attaway. every broadcast booth that's the dream i don't care yeah. what you have yeah. in it just no corner no corner don't well, put it in the plan, corner the plan now is not to do corner it's center of the field it's going to be higher that's fine we I have the lowest booth in the nfl which everybody loves it's going to be higher because the stadium's going to be constructed differently. But right now, it's at midfield. <laughs> that could change. Uh, There's only two people right now that are enjoying this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I just, you know, just enough space, a place to hang your coats, 
The dream would be a bathroom, yeah. but that's not going to happen. Okay, the sauna may be a stretch. Mike <laughs> See, right there. now you're dogging. Voice of the Titans, I love it. Obviously, a dear friend of Kenny Chesney, a stadium designer, <laughs> and his day job, the best in the business, uh, Voice of the Titans. I love talking to and you every quite year. quite a tenor. A lot of people <laughs> yeah, don't know Quite that. a great singer, yeah. too. We're going to do it again. See you down there here, and we'll see you up there next time we see you. You know the drill. At some point. All yes. right. Thanks, Mike. Right. Thank you.